I don't know what I don't know. Okay. And I'm scared, but I have to do this because if I don't do this now, I'm never going to be able to do it later. The conditions are good. Yes, I might lose money, but I'm willing to take that risk. Even if I lose money, I'm still going to win because I will have learned something. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome back, my great to wealth listeners. Today, we're talking to Derek Clifford, the world traveler, the globetrotter, the guy who has had multiple degrees of freedom, and we'll get right into it, what those mean for you. Hey, Derek. Thank you for dialing in, man. I know the time zones are crazy where you are right now. You're calling, you're dialing in from Japan, right? Yes, sir. And by the way, great to be here with you. Amazing to talk with you once again. Well, thank you, Derek. And how are you doing, buddy? Dude, things are amazing. Just living day by day, enjoying the freedom that we have built for ourselves and trying to stay healthy as well this whole time. Just living a complete whole life and just so grateful and blessed to be able to do what I'm doing right now. So thank you for asking, sir. And what about you? Derek, I'm doing good, man. As I know, I was telling you, I quit my W2 back in December and I really thought that I'll have a lot of time on my hand, but somehow I filled it all up. Somehow I don't have enough time. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I'm having fun, it's amazing. right? I'm loving it. My kids are hating me. So life's real. <laughs> Nothing totally. has changed except me not being on W2. So Derek, let's start with one thing, man. So I think I know you are a firm believer on five degrees of freedom. So we'll hit that first. We'll park that question for a second now. But what I really want to understand is how you got to doing what you do. What's your migration story? Staying true to the name of our show, Uh Migrate to Wealth. So what's your migration journey? Yeah. So I guess, you know, I started out as an engineer way, way back in my undergraduate. And I'm going to try to keep this as brief as possible because it's a long story, but I want to try to make sure I break it down fairly to convey how I got to where I am now. Yeah. But, you know, I was W2 working for a very long time. And that's what my parents taught me. That was the path, right? You work a good job, you get a high salary, and you eventually retire at age 62 and a half or whatever the retirement age is now. I know that France just moved it to 70 or something. There's been pandemonium. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I was going down that path and even looking to get an MBA to try to get like a bigger shovel to help get myself down that path. And the only way that I knew how to build wealth was the Dave Ramsey method, right? Which was get a job and pay off all of your debt. So, you know, I paid off my debt like a maniac when I graduated from school, when I graduated from my undergrad, and then started saving for grad school to get my MBA. And so I did all of that, right? I paid off all of my debt. I paid like $65,000, which was quite a lot back then, considering people were making 45, 50K Mm -hmm. out of the gate. That was a lot of debt to have. So I rented for a while and, you know, paid off the loans and everything. Then what happened was I met my wife or soon to be wife. She was my girlfriend at the time. And I had met her in Houston, Texas, where I was working. And she was living in Washington state. And I eventually moved over there to get close to her. And then she changed my mindset completely. She taught me about rich dad, poor dad. You know, she went to those get motivated events back in the early 2010s and, you know, the mid 2010s and stuff. And so she really opened my eyes up to entrepreneurship. And so Dave Ramsey and the W-2 is not the only way to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I got fascinated by this, right? And at the same time, she had purchased her condo in Washington State in 2008, literally two months before the crash happened, right? She bought it for $250,000. It was like, you know, within walking distance of her grad school. She's a physician, so she was going to graduate school at the time. And so... 
a couple of months afterwards, all of a sudden the property started dropping. And by after six months, her property was worth about 90 K when she wow. bought it for 250 and there was a big mortgage on it. Right. Well, fast forward four years, right. And she's ready to graduate and leave. And I'm getting ready to do my master's degree. Right. She still couldn't sell the property because it was only worth 180,000 and we still had mm. a mortgage on it. We couldn't write the check. We were both starving students, so to speak. Right. And so what ended up happening was we had to rent it out. We just had to. And so as soon as we rented this thing out, we're driving down from Washington to California because my wife got her residency down there. And then I soon followed and got a job as a project manager down in California after that. Right. And as we're driving down, we got our very first rent check coming in and the mm. rent check exceeded the mortgage and it exceeded the property taxes and the electricity and all of the bills and the oh, HOA wow. and everything. And it got me thinking and the light bulb went off and it's like, oh my gosh, if we did this on accident, imagine what would happen if we did this on purpose, right? right? And so that's when kind of like my engineering brain went haywire and I spent like a year studying everything I could. And eventually what happened is I took my very high salary and graduated from graduate school, took my high salary in the Bay Area and I was turning around and I was buying like a house in Indianapolis almost every month with my... Right unfair advantage, which is my very high salary. And then pretty soon I got to a point where I was buying, you know, house a month and I was doing 1031 exchanges and it was just nuts. Like I was so busy and I was going into the office every day, an hour and a half before the whole day started, right. To do business on Eastern time when we're here in Pacific. Right. So I'm out there, you know, working. And by the time the first year is up, we've got, you know, 20 units. And now banks are turning me away saying you can't get any more loans. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> so I started turning <laughs> to commercial loans. And then I got mm -hmm. my first multifamily. And then I kind of cut my teeth on that and did everything wrong that you could ever do on that multifamily right. deal. And then, you know, eventually I started running out of money. And my partner started running out of money. And so then that's when I met Vinny Chopra. And Vinny Chopra was my first mentor. And he taught me about syndication back in 2018. Smiley Chopra, right? You know him. Yeah, that's awesome. very well. Yeah. And so he taught me the ropes behind real mm -hmm. estate syndication. And it took me a few years to get everything going and wrote a book, started a podcast, trying to, you know, attract people to the mm. incredible power behind real estate investing and how it got me so inspired. And then that finally got me to the path where I got into GoBundance and I started getting into better networks of people and started getting inspired and setting these amazing goals. And so within about a five-year time frame, we went from about 20 units, or I would say even maybe like two or three units, to now we have over 450 under our control right now. Oh and my God, Derek, that's amazing. Thank you. By 450, I mean, we're general partners controlling nearly three quarters of all of them as a joint venture partner yeah. or as a lead general partner. So it's very easy and obvious to see that I'm a very busy person, but yet we still have managed to be able to have the lifestyle that we have because of the systems that we've set up to help pursue the three degrees of freedom, which we can talk about a little bit later on. But that's yeah. kind of my uh, whole journey, my background. Man, this is an amazing journey, Derek. And I think it's your journey is not unique, right? But it's yes. very unique. It's very unique, but not unique. And I'll say that why I'm saying that. It's because you started like anybody else would, which is go study hard, work hard, make your money, and then eventually life will turn out good for you, which essentially means that 62, 65, 75, God knows when we when people yeah. retire or what that age is going yep. to be. And if there's going to be a social security alive, who knows, right? And that's a different podcast for a different day. 
But I think your change, your pivotal moment for you was, of course, growing up, I'm sure there were multiple pivotal moments, but financial pivotal moment was when you met your soon-to-be wife at that time. Yes. And that's really opened up. I want to ask her what triggered her to understand these things, right? Because yeah, I met know, her. It's, it's not like her upbringing would have been very different than ours. I don't know if you have the insight into that or if you have conversations with her on that, but I would love to see what triggered her to follow a different path. You know, I've asked her this too, and we've talked about this multiple times. Her family were immigrants coming to the United States. Mm-hmm. So her mom and dad were actually, have you heard of the Khmer Rouge before in the yeah. 80s? That's the genocide and you know right. all that happened. So my wife is Cambodian and her parents both came over here when they were less than like 20 years old, when she was just an infant, mm-hmm. coming over to the United States as refugees. And they had nothing. The only thing they knew how to do was cook, right? Because they had right. all the recipes from back in, at home. And that's the only thing that they could think of that would generate some income. So they started a restaurant business and they did extremely well. And then they ended up selling it, right? And then pursuing other ventures. Sure. So she actually saw all this happening as she was growing up and how hard her parents had fought and struggled. And so I would say that Sophie's mindset and her attitude came from watching her parents and that led to her not being lazy at all. You know, so she knows what it's like to work hard. And so she has always been about the mindset from the very beginning since I've ever met her. And that piece and very insightful question that you asked. So I have to give that to you for picking that up out of the story. That mindset piece drives everything. And she just kind of grew up with it. She was also very fortunate in a way to have that background, even though her parents struggled so hard. She saw all of that and some of it has carried through and helped us as well. Yeah, it's kind of interesting when you look back and I think I'm sure I know you have your own podcast as well on your own network. If you look back for any of your guests or any of your folks in the network who have been successful, there's always been a defining moment for what Mm -hmm. changed their mental model drastically. There are micro Mm -hmm. moments and then there are major moments in life, right? And I think for you, the major moment was when your wife introduced you to the Purple Book. It seemed like the Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which has been a gospel for a lot of us, where it gave you a different way of looking at the world, which a lot of folks don't. Now, the problem with that book, I always say, is that that book tells you what doesn't tell you how, right? So you still have to take an extra step. So it gives you the mental model. Now you're asking questions, which is great. Now you're looking for answers, which is what the best thing the book could have done for anybody, right? So I think where I was going with that was how did that, now you understood everything from your wife, but to take action into buying a house a month, sitting in California, (laughs) buying in Indiana. I can never say Indianapolis, so I'm going to say Indy. That's my Indian tongue. I could never say that many (laughs) words in anything. So You did great, man. You did great. Well, thank you, buddy. Thank you, Derek. So (laughs) how did that happen? From I understand the accidental investment in Washington State. Perfect. That makes sense. A lot of folks do that, Mm -hmm. right? You happen to have something that you got lucky with. But then now you're doing intentional. Why did you pick buying in Indiana? Because what most people thinking are, I kind of know the answer, but I want to hear your answer, is it's too far. I don't know how I'm going to manage it. I don't have a team. Let me just go buy the most expensive property in California because I can see it. I can feel it. I have an emotional connection to it. It looks cute. How can you buy sitting in California that far out? How did you get over that hump? 
Yeah, you know, we really did try. We tried really hard to do that, to make that mistake of buying that primary residence. Actually, I shouldn't call mm -hmm. that a mistake because most of the properties in the Bay Area just exploded in value back in 2015, 2016. Right. But we just couldn't afford it. Like we didn't have, you know, enough income because at the time I had just started my career in the Bay Area and as a contractor. And so I was making, you know, half the money that a full-time person would. And then eventually right. I became, I did that. But even if I had the capital or even if I had the money to do it, I probably still wouldn't have. I still would not have because my engineering brain, right? It went straight to bigger pockets. It went straight to all of the resources in the books that I could find mm -hmm. about how to find cash flowing properties. And I was trying to do the math on all these properties in California and it just didn't pencil, right? right. Like that 1% rule just never came out. So yeah. I had to find another market that did make sense. And so what I did was I found a network of people that were investing in different Midwestern markets from the Bay Area. And what they were doing, this is a genius plan. And I really wish that I had jumped on the train to do this. But what these guys did was, let's say you have, you know, a million dollar house, which in the Bay Area, as you know, is pretty much commonplace, mm -hmm. right? And usually a lot of that comes from being in the same house for a decade or more, right? right. So odds are you have $500,000 worth of equity or more sometimes yeah. to be able to tap in to use to for anything. So what these guys were doing, which was super impressive to me, is they were getting a line of credit on their house, using their house as a bank, and yeah. they're buying for properties in cash out in right. Indianapolis, in St. Louis, in Cleveland, in you know Kansas City. And then what they would do is those cash properties would be more than enough to pay their line of credit right. payment every month. <laughs> And then combined with their high salaries, they would attack that line of credit down as quickly as possible in the open period of that line of credit, right? And then they would pay it down. They'd pay it off in like a year or two, you know, right. that $100,000 they borrowed, right? Now they have a cash flowing property that's continuing to pay money, right? They have one paid off property. And so then they just do it again. They take the same right. you know, amount of money and then they go and they put it back into another property and then pay yeah. it off. And each time you add a house, you're putting more income into your pocket. So you, right. the payment time is quicker. So I was watching these guys do this and I was just picking their brain and trying to get their resources and trying to get comfortable around doing something like that. But basically it came down to a couple of things. Okay. There's the four C's that I believe works every time. The four C's are coaching, consistency, clarity, and connections. And I had consistency working for me. So I'm a firm believer that if you tackle one of these with a complete ambition, like you are just going into one of these C's, right? The other three are going to follow. Because mm -hmm. if you are extremely consistent on something, right? Like me over a year or over two years, eventually you're going to get connections. Or you're going to find a network, right? Yeah. And pretty soon you're going to get a coach. And then after that, or maybe at some point during that, you're going to have some clarity as to what you want to create. Mm -hmm. And the same thing works too. If you put yourself into a coaching situation, you're going to get all three of those over time also. Right. So whichever of those four that you relate to, pick that and go into it. So again, for me, it was consistency being there every single day. Cause that's me. I can do that. I can say, yeah. all right, I'm waking up at five 30 in the morning so that I can get out of the house by six 30, make it into the office by seven and have two hours to work before the job starts. Yeah. Right. That was my superpower. That's what I did every day to leverage that, to make it work. And from there, I got the connections, which then ended up being, you know, this group that were investing, you know, from the Bay area using HELOCs to get the connections and the confidence to fly out to Indy and, 
meet people, right? Get myself comfortable around it and then just start tackling it. And then the four C's also got me through the execution of actually doing it as well, right? Building your connections up inside of Indie, right? Getting mentors inside of Indie, you know, to be able to do all of this. And so that's kind of what happened over time for me. I leveraged that that that. consistency piece all the way to the end. There's so many golden nuggets, right? So you've dropped. I think one of the key thing is that I, I always tell folks is that you can always think we as human race can think ourselves out of anything, good or bad. It goes consistent, right? It's kind of like we can talk out ourselves or think ourselves out of bad situations. No, no, no. You can also think yourself out of good situations. So mm-hmm. at that time, this 4C model I really love, and let's go over that one more time. It's your coaching, your consistency, yep. your connections. And what's the fourth one? Yeah. And the other one was clarity, your goals. Clarity, correct? Like yeah. To see and sometimes yeah. I think people are focusing on clarity, right? That's the only mm-hmm. thing they want to focus on clarity. I would love to get your perspective on that. And then we'll shift gears. Clarity is, I think clarity is evasive. And yes. unfortunately, clarity cannot be there until you act. Because the mm-hmm. more you act, the more you become clear about two things. Yes. One thing is where you want to go. And the second thing is your inabilities to do something so that you can find mm-hmm and close those blind spots by either improving yourself, getting yourself to the next level, surrounding yourself with people who can help you with those blind spots, right? I don't know if you ever thought about it. Out of these four, I think three are great. Connection, coaching, and consistency. Mm -hmm. They're in your control, right? So you can either find a great coach, you can build your own network, or you can be consistent. But when you talk about clarity, have you ever thought about focusing on clarity? Is that even possible? Or you should just focus on these three levers and clarity will come. Yeah, you know, very good point. I haven't necessarily thought about it completely in that sense, because you do need to have some sort of background or knowledge or some sort of inspiration to get you there. But by Mm -hmm. the word clarity, I really mean vision or like, you know, being able to see something so clear that what you want, it's like a burning desire, right? It's like this fundamental drive that's going to push you through. And eventually you're going to get that, right? I mean, you're, yeah. while talking to connections, you're going to, well, that light bulb's going to well. come off. But yeah. if you get the light bulb coming off because someone in your family or you've seen someone, right? I've seen something like that happen where, you know, they're just walking ar- along and just going about their business. And then all yeah. of a sudden your uncle or something mentions how their friend, you know, became infinitely wealthy or they're driving around these yeah. Lamborghinis or something. And then a light bulb flashes, right? And something goes off. So I guess for clarity, I just wanted to fit it into the C model, but yeah. I think you're right. I think it's a very uncommon way for people to get, to have that be a lead C to go in. But I think it is something that's super essential and really needed because if you're doing the connections and the consistency and the coaching, you're still going to need some sort of true North, some sort of true. compass to be able to help you say, okay, you know, what approach am I going to take? Am I going to invest passively right. by being a passive investor or am I going to be active and yeah. really trying to go after it? You need something to help you see what right. it is that's tangible that you want to take. Also in this model, what you talked about, right? To say kind of like, why are people paralyzed to make a decision or to mm. make an action? It's really because yeah. they're asking the question, I don't know how to do it, how to do it, right? It gets stuck yeah. in that bubble of saying, I understand, like a friend of mine called me the other day saying, hey, I loved your podcast. You're not telling me how to do anything. I'm like, I think if you're looking for a podcast, you may be looking for a coach now. I think you've graduated from the podcast. 
because yeah. it's a great question to ask now okay i'm ready to do something the whole inspiration for the podcast is not to turn into a training course no one's going to listen to it anyways right, right. it's really That's to exactly share the right. stories and someone's story may hit you so hard that your clarity or vision that you're talking about may be flashed right in front of your eyes and that's exactly, exactly. what these conversations these connections these coaches are going to help you do that i had a professor in school in colombia who would always say you know how the old adage says goes saying that where there's a will there's a way it says yes. actually the other way around where there's a way there's a will because what mm. happens is when Love you that. have the clarity of you know derek has done it this is how he did it I now have a way it may not be the only way but I have a way to get my freedom and we'll talk about freedom in a quick second here but now I've done seen something happening in front of my eye and I know this guy he's willing to share with me now I have the will to do that now my path Bingo. may change 1000 times which is perfectly fine but now yeah. I saw it possible so I'm going to do that I think I would feel like 90 to 95% of the population human race is in I can't see it happening because no one has ever done it. And there's going to be Correct. one person who has done it. You just need to find that one person who has done it to make sure <laughs> that it's actually real, right? What are your thoughts on that? You know, I think that's dead on. I think something that also will help, right, for people that are maybe in what I call analysis paralysis. That was the one thing that was holding me back, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I see how this works. like the numbers make sense and i've been fortunate enough to be able to kind of fall into this situation because yeah. i had that property in washington right so i saw you know in a very mechanical sense how it all worked right like the rent comes in and then we turn around and we pay the mortgage right. and you know and that's how it works right now here's the thing when i did it first on my own i was really nervous and it took me a year and a half to take any action and i realized i was being in analysis paralysis And do you know what changed all of that? When I looked into getting into my first deal as not a money-making opportunity, but my learning stuff. Learning opportunity. Yeah. A learning opportunity. When I looked at it and said, "Okay, I'm going to buy this house and the worst-case scenario is it's not going to work out and maybe I sell it for $20,000 less and I just paid some tax, right?" Yeah. But yeah. the risk of that was fairly low because I did my homework, right? Mm -hmm. So I decided that I was going to be like, look, I don't know what I don't know, okay? And I'm scared, but I have to do this because if I don't do this now, I'm never going to be able to do it later. Right. The conditions are good. Yes, I might lose money, but I'm willing to take that risk. Even if I lose money, I'm still going to win because I will have learned something, right? Correct. I will have learned how it all worked. And so that small <clears throat> perspective, that shift from trying to hit out of the park on the first one Yeah. to saying, you know what, I don't know what I don't know, but I do know that this works and I want to keep doing it for long term. I want to learn something. I just plugged right into it and I did it and that became, you know, one of the best deals that I've ever done. So, that's yeah. awesome, man. I think it reminds me of a conversation I had with another guest where basically saying that the fear of loss is much bigger than the joy that you get from a reward. That's really what held you back. That's what held me back at some point. And the only way to overcome that is to get comfortable with that loss, right? And of yes. course, we're not saying if you have the last dollar that your family and you are depending <laughs> on, go yeah, invest that money. Don't do that. Yeah. We're not saying that, right? Yeah. So I think we got to don't take this out of context. What we're saying is that if you have the money, 
let's say 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, and you're designing in on opportunity, and that's your first opportunity after you have done thorough due diligence, and now you're making a decision, should I go in or should I go out? I think the question you're yeah. asking is, what's the worst that can happen? And yes. that's a great framework to think about, which is what you went, right? What's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. I can sell it for 20K less. And it's yeah. sometimes it's just a reframing that it's not a loss. I've spent, what, $400,000 on getting my college education by the time between from when you got it to now. You got to spend yeah. that much money. And if you can learn a great lesson, as in how to continue moving forward by paying $20,000, it's actually a much better deal if you think about it, because most of us, have not used a college degree. Most of us have used our practical life experience by doing it, right? So that degree is actually a loss. Yes, you got a paper diploma saying you're a smart person for the world to recognize, but in essence, you didn't learn anything new, right? That you could implement. Yeah, for the most part, I do think that degrees... Unless you're a doctor or you're in a, like you're practicing, like you're a surgeon or lawyer or, you know, something like that. I would say that most degrees are basically a certificate that shows that you can learn something and stick with something over a consistent period of time to be able to do it. And it's what people use to kind of filter you versus the outside world to give you a shot as a W-2 employee. So I love what you said there and I could not agree more. So Derek, now let's talk about freedom. Right. So I wanted to keep that anchor on and keep dragging the conversation until we hit that point where, so now you are coming from a point of, and I don't know if you actually hated your job or not, but you didn't see a light of the ray until like 62 or 64, whatever the traditional path was. Right. So I can't imagine you didn't necessarily like it. I can't imagine anyone who says I'm doing it willingly. Most people are doing it because that's the only model they know how to do it. Right. So from that, which is you could buy some location independence, maybe back but now maybe you can, a little bit more location independence. But when we talk about freedom, because freedom could mean a lot of different things, right? Like for me, I was telling my wife, freedom for me is I get to do where I want to do with who I want to do when I want to do, right? It's really, I don't want restrictions so I can never start a brick and mortar business because I'm never going to be there. It's going to become my cage and I don't want it, right? So knowing what I want for me, the freedom is important, but tell us your perspective of freedom. Yeah, you know, so I believe that as an engineer, in engineering, we talk about these things called the degrees of freedom, right? So Mm -hmm. if you have an object that's moving along one axis, it's got one degree of freedom because it can only be moved like in a line, right? And if it's like on a piece of paper, you've got two degrees of freedom because it can move, you know, X, Y axis, right? And then if you have three degrees of freedom, then you're talking like, you know, three-dimensional, okay? So coming from that context, I realized that most people, when they think of freedom, they think of it as I got to have enough money to be able to live the lifestyle that I want to live without working a full-time job right now. And so that means that they've got to take all of their active income or the portion that they have available to them and put it into passive investments or some sort of investments and then make a small return on it so that they can live off of that. And then the next day continues to grow and so on and so forth, right? Well, when I did the math on that, it was going to take me like 30 years to do that, mm-hmm. to live comfortably off the Dave Ramsey method, which is invest everything you have, your disposable yeah. income, and live off of 4% of that nest egg so you can take the dividends and just use that as your living expenses. And that, I think that model is flawed. We can talk about it later, but that's completely. fine. Completely. Yes, that's completely. fine. We're not, we're, not I, endorsing, that's we're not endorsing that model. No, not at all. Uh, because <laughs> I'm like, I have principally an issue with that model. Of, me too. Okay. 
So, but either way, like no matter what you're trying to do, you got to have some sort of nest egg of capital to be able to put into some investments, or you've got to be able to sweat through it. You have to work through it, right? Yeah. Now, what most people forget is that you can actually get location independence right now. Like most people look at, okay, when I'm trying to get financially free, what they're actually saying is that they want to be locationally free. They want to be time free. And then they also want to be financially free, which means they can do everything they want. But here's mm -hmm. the deal, right? This is a true story. When I was in the California Bay Area, okay, our monthly expenses were around $10,000 a month. That's with our mortgage, taxes, food, gas, everything is expensive there, right? Yeah. So here's the thing. We had about $5,000 to $6,000 worth of passive income at the time coming in from all of our properties, right? And in order for me to make the extra leap, it's going to take more effort and energy for me to get to that 2x so that I'm not just at like the $10,000 mark in passive income. I want to be at 20,000 sure. passive income so I could continue to live and then travel and do all those fun things, right? With all the things that come with the Bay Area. As soon as we left the California Bay Area, we sold our house and we started traveling. It turns out you can do a lot of living in a lot of great places in the United States alone for like $5,000, right? Mm. Airbnb is three grand, right? Four sure. grand. And then because you don't have any utilities, you're basically paying just for gas and food, right? Very much. And so what we found is that when we became locationally independent, we became financially independent because our expenses started dropping. And once we became financially independent and locationally independent, I was able to start hiring virtual assistants and yeah. the virtual assistants helped me do my job, right? And helped me do things to be more productive with my time, right? right? Thinking through and being a systems person. So you see how there's like these different layers and these different degrees of freedom. And the more that people are pursuing each one individually, because for instance, I've met people before that don't care about location of freedom at all. They're a homebody. They like to stay home, right? Mm -hmm. So why are you working so hard to try to get to a lifestyle where you don't why yeah, can't you yeah, just get time them. freedom and financial yeah. freedom and not worry about the location? <clears throat> so that's the thing is you got to kind of zero in on what it is that you actually want in life. And so sometimes people don't understand that and they just need to find internal alignment with that. And once you're focused, if all you really want is location freedom and you want it now, well, dude, learn some skills, right? Go code, like mm -hmm. go find a job that you can do remotely. Start talking with your buddies, right? Like try to find something that will provide income that will give you $100,000 a year, right? That's all you're going to need. And now you can live in Europe if you want to. You can live in yeah. you know, Asia. You can live anywhere you want to if you're at that age. If you have kids, obviously it gets a little bit trickier, but you can still do bits and pieces of this where you can take sabbaticals, okay. right? For like <clears throat> three, four months, yeah. or you can take your kids with you. I just encourage you to start asking questions. And so just think about freedom of choice in different layers, right? Not just one layer, like it's all or nothing. And so that's kind of yeah. what we encourage people to do because we've love, seen those layers happen. I love what you said there, right? Let's actually go deeper into that conversation, right, Derek? So I yeah. think part of that problem, I see that, you know, the American dream of owning your own home. Let's talk about that for a second, that especially coming from an Indian community, which is me, we all want big mm -hmm. homes, Right, that's how we grew up because home's a symbol of success. Right, the bigger, the yes. newer, the larger the home is. Thankfully, I'm not cut from that same cloth. Thank God. Otherwise, <laughs> I'd be working at some company in the valley right now, basically being the slave to the mortgage. But if you think about that, right, and that's one aspect. The second aspect is traditional education for the kids is very important. We cannot homeschool. 
right? The third mental model is what would people say if I do this, right? Because I just left, like for me, I left a job at Airbnb and everyone that I knew, they're like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Because mm-hmm. people die to get a job at a company like Airbnb and you're just letting it go by your own choice. At least let them fire you. So you have a reason yeah. to quit. I'm like, no, that's fine. I appreciate that. I would rather leave on my own terms. It's better that way, right? So I think the problem I see in this freedom is freedom has become a fact, right? Mm-hmm. It's a great party word that, oh, I want freedom, right? When mm-hmm. it comes down to being truly free, it asks you to change how you look at the world or how have you been trained to look at the world, right? So I was talking to somebody recently like, everyone has a house, why can't we? Well, like, mm-hmm. well, that's probably not the right way of asking the question because everyone is sick, why aren't you? Why are you only yeah. looking at the positive things? If that's the comparison model, then you should compare about good, bad, ugly, whatever, right? So don't just take what you conveniently pick something that you want to take. The question really ask is, which you said that, and you, passed, you said in a passing, but it goes back to your 4C model, is really about people are not clear what they want. They're not living their lives. They're actually living a lie, not a life. Bingo. Right? This is and so that's important. that's a problem. And that's a problem, I think, no matter what you want to do, until you get true to yourself. And I also t- always tell us, you know, people have a constraint of, well, I can't do this because of that. Right? And the moment you start that thinking, your thinking is already limited. You're already putting constraint on your thinking that don't think, you're telling your mind, it's not going to happen anyways. Why do you even think about it, right? But really the question yeah. you're asking is that if I had no constraints, what kind of life would I want? If I had no kids yeah. and you have kids, that's fine. But if I have no kids, what would I want to do? And then say, now let me lay on the constraint and see what's realistic. At least you're being true to yeah. yourself, right? What are your thoughts on that? Bingo. I think you're 100% dead on because remember, freedom is about choice, If you have kids and you're in a situation, this is just a good example, right? You've got kids at home. Well, I mean, hey, there's two, three months out of the year where they're not in school. Mm -hmm. So maybe you make it happen. Maybe you give it a shot. Sure. What if you tell your kids, hey, guys, we're going to be living in Lisbon, Portugal for two months in the summer. What do you think? Right. I'm going to let you talk to my wife really quick here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing too. You know, it's all about choices and how you make them because if you immediately shut it down, right, then you're not opening yourself up to anything. Like I completely agree with you there. And you first have to believe that it's possible or know what you want. That's why the internal alignment piece is so important because some people think they want X, but they really don't. There was someone that we were mentoring, one of our investors we were mentoring, and they were constitutional attorneys and, you know, they're in the legal field and they, they've been working extremely hard and their right. whole life, all they do is they work to buy bigger houses and right. they had an amazing house in, you know, in Lafayette and just this incredible house, like, you know, 4,000 square feet right up in the top of the mountain, very high mortgage tax rates, like everything. Right. But they could afford it. And Correct. so when we talk with them about like what things they could do if they just moved to, you know, Walnut Creek, right. And just got, yeah. got like downgraded and kept their salary. And if they took that money and started investing it elsewhere, the things that they could do with that. So it's all about choices because they were just in that same mindset that you said, right? Like bigger is better. Just keep going bigger, bigger, more expenses. Yeah. You have more income to so get more expenses. But I think you have to like really look inward to see what is it that you 
would want to do. And those are hard questions, especially if you're married. It's because it's not just you, it's someone Mm -hmm. else and your family. And so that takes a lot of time to figure this out. But the point is to start asking the questions so that your awareness gets higher, because when the awareness gets higher, then you start figuring out, okay, what can we do to start living a different lifestyle right now or in the near future? Not until some unforeseen time where you're just like, oh, well, we'll just keep saving until we get there. Or man, I'm dreaming of this time. No, lean into it. Be proactive and start asking why and how right now. Because if the why is big enough, the how will get legs. And you'll be oh able to make it happen. Oh my God, man. I love that question. I yes. love the last statement that you just made. I think it's a very powerful statement, right? That I wish when I your could why is mine. big enough. Hey, that's all right. It's we'll, not, we'll give you the credit on this was, show. On the show, we'll give you the credit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think your why has to be big enough, right? Your why has to be big enough because if your why is, I just want to make money. How much money? Is it a penny? Is it a million dollars? Is it a hundred million dollars? What exactly is your number? And why do you want that, right? I think most of the, I was talking to a friend of mine recently and he was like, well, you know what? If I switch my job, I'm going to be happier, but I'm going to be, I'm not going to be making as much money as I am in today's, in my current job. I'm like, how much money? He's like, if I stay here, I'll be fine for the rest of my life. I can't spend that kind of money. That's how much money I'm going to yeah. have. You know, so I'm like, you know you what? Know, you're um, basically putting, you're basically, it's a golden handcuff. It's yes, really a golden it, it handcuff. Is. And if you want to live in a cage, it's a great thing to do. Right, your life's gonna be comfortable. <laughs> yeah, that's great. You're gonna be fed, right? You're gonna be petted. You're gonna be all fine. But are you really <laughs> going to be happy? So and you have to ask yourself one, that question. Yeah, one thing I have to pass along this piece of advice from some of my mentors. My wife and I have personal <clears throat> coaches that we've mm-hmm. worked through things with on top of every all the other business coaching that we do. And one thing is, if you keep asking yourself why, right? even through why you're working so hard and going all the way back, that's when you really start finding out who you are as a person. Let me give you an example, right? So I was working a full-time job. Let's just say that I'm back in that space and I get the idea that I want to leave my full-time job using real estate as an investment to do that. Well, why, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the why is to have enough income to be able to support our lifestyle. Okay, well, why is that? Yeah. Well, that's because I want to be able to make choices. I don't want to be restrained. I want to be able to choose how and when I do things and whenever yeah. I want to. Well, why is that? Yeah. Well, because there's a wide world out there that has amazing things to see and experiences to be had. And why is that? Because we all deserve, including myself, to be the maximum version of ourselves possible. Yeah. Right. And so you see, you can keep going down this chain of why, right? And eventually you'll find that, you know, a full-time job and travel and entrepreneurship, it all is, has to be in alignment with who you are as a person. So you have to know what your values are and what you stand for. And once you know what those are, if you're working a job that does the same thing over and over again, and yet your personal values are, mine are, for instance, wisdom, prosperity, and adventure. Those are my three mm-hmm. personal values. By the way, there's a Darren Hardy exercise that you can go through. You ask yourself 10 or 12 questions and you can find three words that describe who you are yeah. as a person. And those are your values. I highly recommend everyone do that before doing goal setting, because if you set goals without being in alignment with who you are as an individual, then that's a problem, right? So right. definitely do those. But 
if you have those three values as a person and you're doing a job over and over again, you got to do something different by asking bigger questions right. to help you figure out like, how can I get out of the situation little by little, or at least get into a different situation that's still a job, but is fulfilling the why, right. because that's the problem. The problem isn't the job. The problem is how are you going to become fulfilled? How are you going to be out right. being able to go out and see things? Right? So if that is for you, taking the summers off, right? And reserving two Airbnbs in Portugal, one in Porto, one in Lisbon for like a month and a half each, just to go and do something different mm -hmm. for a while, right? And that scratches your itch. That's the alignment with you and your personal being right. that you need to find. So you're not sacrificing your job, right? That's what I'm trying to get to this whole conversation. Mm -hmm. So thank you for allowing me to kind of get no, there. Derek, this day. is actually amazing. I think this is what life is about, right? It's not about money. It's not about anything. Oh, yeah. It's really about being your full potential, whatever that is. For everyone, mm -hmm. it's different, right? Whatever it is for yeah. you. Dude, I know you and I can talk. So I want to be respectful of your time. I know you're in Japan, so it's getting pretty late there. So yeah. switching gears to the last two questions, what is top two or three insights you're going to give to your young self? Ooh, I would say that fear has no place in my life. And that's just speaking from someone who is making decisions completely out of fear. Yeah. So I think... I would go back and try to change my relationship with fear because I was a very scared and anxious young man and yeah. boy. And I think that that's one thing I would give myself is try things, right? Don't be so close-minded. That's awesome, man. One last question. Where does humanity needs to migrate towards intentionally? Oh, man, this is such a spiritual question. I think that, I mean, humanity is a very strong word. Honestly, I think that people need to understand that you got to do good just to do good. And I think people are very self-serving these days. And I can mm -hmm. say that because I was one for a very long time, but it's service that makes the world go around. And I think that helping other people lights me up at least. I know that everyone gets a kick out of it and it's kind of addictive, you know, once you do <laughs> yeah. it, once you start giving back. But I think that giving back knowledge, time, and even attention and energy, just listening to someone, just truly listening and trying to put yourself in their shoes Small acts of kindness like that just lifts the energy of the world up. And so I try to do that everywhere we go. Dear Derek, thank you again for coming on the show, man. I love this conversation. I think we're going to have you back. I end up saying that to every guest because I really enjoy these conversations. <laughs> well, what does, it gonna say bring about you your, what does it say about your podcast skills? That's pretty dang good, man. I know, is it? I'm like, I love that, man. Hey, Derek, again, thank you for your time. Now, if people want to connect with you, learn more about what the work you do, pick your brain on the yeah. freedom, where can they find you? Yeah. They can't find you physically anywhere because you're never stable. That's uh, right. Or never That's stationary. Right. You're always moving. Yeah, unfortunately. But yeah, LinkedIn is probably the easiest one or Facebook or Instagram. Just Derek Clifford is at LinkedIn or just hit us up on elevateequity.org or a podcast at elevateequity.org forward slash podcast. And for your listeners, free five point blueprint on how we got to where we got. Building awesome. equities up in all parts of our life. Elevateequity.org forward slash podcast gift. All one word. That's just for them. Free ebook. Awesome. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. And enjoy Japan or wherever thank you, you are. Well, thank let's you. Let's get you on our podcast as well. Well, that's definitely, you. I would love to. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. 
the content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.